joining me now is our good friend Barb Lampson. And I don't know about you, Barb, but I'm kind of wanting to talk about something other than the, the coronavirus and COVID-19 because there's so much of that. Let's talk about gardening. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Karen, this is a great opportunity to do that. And what is better for us than fluffing up our spirit because we're either uh, getting ready to plant things or we're dreaming about planting things or we're learning new things. As a matter of fact, here in Georgia, one of the things that's beginning to bloom now is called the pickerel weed. Now, what is is that, that a no? And is that a good thing? You say weed. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, is it something you want? You know, it it is a good thing. It grows in shallow water by the ponds and lakes, and it the Latin name is Ponted uh, Didra Cordata. Oh, it here. Now, I've seen this growing in Minnesota. I've seen this around the lakes. In our area, it's a very small plant. Um, you'll notice it when it starts to bloom. It has a spiky-like flower on it that's purple-blue in color. Here, it resembles a canna, so it gets um, three to four feet tall. It has those big leaves on it like the cannas have, mm -hmm. and the reason they love it so much here is, well, there's the display when the spike is coming up on top and blooming, but that's early, and the pollinators love it. So the bees and the uh, butterflies, they fly to that, and fishermen love it because they know when there's pickerel weed, that's where you should be overfishing because the fish like the crappies and the bass and other fish, that's where they go for shade. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a win-win thing. And then because of the fooding, food chain, it brings in birds, birds that feed on fish and that, and they also are attracted to this. So you've got this whole separate ecosystem. I thought, you know, so often we're talking about putting um, terrestrial or uh, on in the soil pollinator gardens. But maybe we should start thinking about developing things that aren't invasive that are in some of our wetlands. And I wonder how this pickerel weed would, would fare out there. Hmm. So, so but, but you say that we do have it here, though. We do. As a matter of fact, pickerel weed has such an extensive range. It ranges from Nova Scotia to Argentina, and it's in 36 of our states. So it, it likes shallow, quiet waters. It's not going to be in, uh, in your oceans or, and things right. like that. Is it something that would be good for like a, a rain garden, I wonder? Well, you know, I, I'm wondering about that too. Now, um, I have been to the uh, uh, intercoastal Georgia Botanical Gardens, and there they have a big pond, and they grow it in containers so oh. that it doesn't take over the whole thing. <clears throat> and I'm wondering if this is something that is going to be offered in some of our nurseries where we can buy it and put it into our pond and have it as an annual. I mean, that would be, that would be an interesting thing to, to check on. Well, now it's interesting because you're down in Georgia, you discover new things, and I'm sure they have things there that they wish they could grow that they can't because of, of their zone. And we have things that we'd love to grow from down there, but we can't because of our zone. What zone are you in when you're down in Georgia there? We're, we're actually in zone eight. Oh, uh, we're that's... Right in, mm -hmm. 
We're on the Alabama uh, Georgia border. We're separated by the Chattahoochee River, which is just a fantastic scenic area that they've developed downtown. So it's it's a, a wonderful area. It's very tropical. Um, the azaleas are blooming right now. The red buds are blooming. The um, the flowering uh, pear trees are blooming right now. And of course, all the way from Missouri coming down. Uh, the daffodils were blooming along the highways and oh. and good areas. Just so lovely to see. Well, we still have some light snow on the ground yet. A lot of it's melted because we had that 60 degree last weekend. But uh, really nothing's too much. I mean, there might be a few places where things might be peaking out. But we're still in the, a little early age stage, even though spring starts, uh, I think, next week already. But uh, yes. just it's time for dreaming and also time for some seed starting, too. I know with different things as well at this time of year. So that's the kind of things that I'm thinking about. Are you going to be back uh, anytime soon to uh, plant seeds or what are you doing? I've, I've got some things, uh, which leads me to the next thing I wanted to talk about was when I got here, my daughter had ordered some dairy plants and seed catalogs, and they came uh, right away, and I unpacked them. They're in beautiful shape, put them into pots, and the bed that I was going to put them in has so much clay in it that the first, you know, chore is to get the clay out and start uh, working in lots of compost and some good topsoil. So I've been working on that. I've been adding to that. And so having those those potted plants ready to go, I'm watering them. Yesterday it was 80 degrees. Oh. So, you know, it's warm. And they, they have grown since I've been here. So um, Sunday, my daughter and I went to the store thinking maybe we should get some more bare root plants which we did, and we were very surprised when we got home to find the quality was very, very poor. Sometimes you think you're going to get a really good deal, and it's not such a good deal if the uh, plants were just in sphagnum and they've been, and then in a plastic bag with no air getting in there. And they got dried out, right? Or they got mushy, right? they're, They're especially the daylilies. Um, I bought a daylily. It's called Grape Magic. It's really, a, according to the picture, which you never can tell, it was a pink that goes into the throat is dark red and then yellow. And when I opened up the bag, um, you know how the daylily has roots on it that are like a mop. Right. Lots and lots of roots. And we, we, you know, when we dig ours at home, they are just so healthy and you get these big roots and you can separate them and and in this particular thing i paid three dollars for this package it had two roots in it and it was absolutely worthless barb sometimes you get what you pay for don't you you do you do but let me just say this um in defense of these things that come packed up i also from the same uh, store bought a package of cannas and this one is called wyoming just the most irresistible. The orange bloom has red feathering in it, and it has the darkest purple-black leaves I've ever seen. It's called Wyoming. Three bulbs, $5. Absolutely perfect. As a matter of fact, the uh, new growth was coming right through the plastic bag. So that's how healthy that was. It went, uh, I, I had that bed improved, and it went in the soil 
right away. Yeah, you can so, do that now. You know, at the um, the home and garden show that was a couple weeks ago, I bought a whole bunch from the Horticulture Society. They have their, their bulb sale. <laughs> and in that case, I wanted to find ones that were not. There were some that were starting to green out. In that case, I wanted to buy the ones that were still dormant because we're a ways out from being able to plant. Like, yeah. you could plant them right away. So just because something yeah. like, oh, look at all this green. Well, you might not want that yet. So if you find something, um, yeah. just... Uh, yes. I I actually put them in the refrigerator. They're in um you know peat, and so they yes. won't That's start exactly. to come out. Yeah, keeping them nice and cool. And you know I bought an iris bearded, uh, bearded iris, and it's called Dangerous Mood. It is so drop dead gorgeous. Five dollars one bulb, and it was actually in a clear package. Now being a master gardener, I should have said. This thing is too dried out. Uh-oh. But I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe I can revive it. So I bought it anyway for that color because I wanted to mix it in this, this perennial bed with the yellows and the reds and the purples. Yeah. And that thing was so absolutely rock hard, it almost was petrified. The Ooh. little piece of rhizome that was on it, and the root hairs that came off from the rhizome, they were so brittle. When I touched them, they just broke off. Uh oh. <clears throat> so, being the internal, eternal optimist, <laughs> I planted it in some sphagnum. I have it out on the deck in a shaded spot so it doesn't get too warm. And I'm going to see if there's any life in it at all. But, you know, the, our seasons are very short in Minnesota, right. so I would say, you know, um, maybe when you go to a store and they have things that are packaged and they're in bags that you can't see through, maybe you can take it to the counter and say, hey, how about if we open this up yes. and see if the root in here is alive? I mean, I think that, you know, if they're not, you drag it home, you want to bring it back, that's, you know, uh, that's a lot of work for them, too. So um, I would just suggest that you do that, you know, be be wary of that. Now, there's a new plant that I'm going to check our nursery for. And having talked about the pickerel plant, something that reminded me of that was a new plant that was introduced by uh, uh, our favorite company. And it's called Unplugged So Blue Salvia. It's a, it's a salvia? It is, and it's an annual for us called Unplugged. Now, that's a very unusual name. And the reason that they were given this name uh, is because um, once a year, we celebrate what's called Unplugged. I, I never knew that. That's a national day, Unplugging. What, what is, means, is there? So it's a real thing? Oh, okay. Yeah, it means getting away from digital things ah. uh, for the day. And um, and go go national, nourish your mind and spirit, and tranquility. Uh, concentrate on that. And what better way could be than to get into a garden? And for me, I just unplug when I get into my garden. And Karen, I know I've heard you say the very same thing. What's that? Uh, uh, that when you get into your garden, you just unplug you oh just... and i i basically unplug so much i just forget everything that else is going on and before i know it it's dark and i'm like oh i can't <laughs> see anymore i better go home well you know i'm really excited because i got a grant and i mentioned it to you uh i think yeah. i chatted with you yesterday so i was pretty excited it's to 
make a pollinator garden and it is from the a leg uh what let's see the lawns to legumes program and i didn't you know i thought oh, okay i'll apply i think it was last <laughs> december and the lawns to leg legumes program is really kind of a cool thing because it's encouraging us to make more pollinator gardens instead of more grass everywhere and so um you, you had just, just fill out a bunch of stuff and there's certain areas what they consider high need because they're trying to protect this rusty patch bumblebee which is coming to extinction so uh, it has grants available to individuals and groups for pollinator habit and uh, since Mankato was in the high priority area uh, they wanted to host a, a workshop here and I actually um, applied for that and I'm going to be able to plant some pollinators with this and I'm going to involve the 4-H kids and what we're going to do is to plant it by a storm drain so the water just doesn't go straight from the turf which is what it's surrounded by and just goes straight down there and you know brings any fertilizer any uh, pollution anything right into it but if you have these pollinator gardens that have these roots that it can kind of soak through yeah. you won't have all that uh that pollutant and stuff that goes straight down into the to, to the lake so i'm really excited to do that and um uh i it isn't a lot it's like 350 bucks but you, you can get a lot of plants for that Oh, I think you can. And I think it's really valuable to have the kids there to help select the plants. One of the things that I found when I was uh, doing summer school was that kids have their own ideas, and they're really great. And they'll tell you, they'll share with you what, what their experiences have been. And if you can get some input from them, they don't have to know names of plants, but if they can know the general name for a plant to tell you. Although, uh, Barb, I was going to say, this is specific, though. I mean, they want you to plant certain certain plants. In fact, they, yeah. they offer special packages of ones that are like for, whether it's a, a pollinator sun garden, a pollinator shade garden, a pollinator lakeshore garden. So it's kind of cool that they have this, and they actually coach you, and um, they've got more grants available, and they're opening it up for uh, again for the fall season that people can apply so if you go online you can go to it's the uh the lawns to legumes program and then awardees which I'm, i must provide at least a 25 percent match for the total reimbursement which you know that's fine and uh, the match can be in the form of purchasing materials hiring contractors or as an in-kind time spent planting or indoor maintaining plants and so then you kind of report on it and they keep track of it. So I just think it's a cool thing. So if, you know, people are thinking of maybe making less lawns and more pollinator space, which we are a high need area to protect the Rusty Patch Bumblebee, it's a great program. Again, you can go to online to the, the Lawns to Legumes projects and you could qualify for a, a, a grant as well. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's just a great idea. And I think we're fortunate to have that opportunity here and involving the kids or any special group of people so that people buy into that. You know, we just have to keep introducing people to the idea that we can do our part for the pollinators. Nobody else's people, other people aren't going to do it. You know, we were, we were driving on Interstate 35 and that says this is the Monarch Trail. What in the world did they do with state and federal funding to put in the Monarch Trail? I, you know, I've been on that section so many times, and to me, it looks so dismal. Oh, so it, I've been there. So you don't feel they've actually done a good job, then, is what you're saying? <laughs> in this, and of course, I haven't been on all of 35, so oh, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> but 
traipsing through uh, Des Moines, uh, 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 between Arf or Albert Lee and Des Moines, I thought, gee, you know, I, I just don't see how you could call this the Monarch Trail, unless they're not thinking, uh, or is it someplace beyond the highway boundaries? I don't know. But it should at least offer you more information about it, what they've done and the plants that they put in. I mean, you know, you can you can read these big signs as you drive along, for heaven's sakes. <clears throat> so um, I think that's that's really great. Pollinator gardens are wonderful. You know, <clears throat> Karen, I found something that I thought was so helpful that you and I are both using. When we start these, we use these heating pads, the right. rubber heating mm-hmm. pads, which since a plant needs all this warmth uh, to the germinate. Seeds. Yeah, to germinate. Your, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you're, and your, um, your house isn't going to be that warm, so you set your plant or your, or your pot on there with your seeds in it, or if you've got roots to germinate. And I thought, you know, what is another use for this? And yesterday, I decided to bake bread. Oh, and <laughs> I put my bread pan on there, and I'm telling you, Karen, the bread dough just it was so warm and cozy in there. I, I lifted the <laughs> lid on it, and, and the bread was just raising, raising, raising up. And then I put the bread into pans, and I had to let it raise for another hour. Absolutely the best job I've ever done baking bread because it had that heat, which isn't too hot, which is the constant warmth, and that yeast just goes to work, and it just does its job. So here's another. If you've never had this rubberized heating pad, which we use when we're germinating flowers or or working with roots or anything to keep the bottoms warm, um, you might want to buy that and think of other ways you could use it. Do you want to know another way you can use it that I've discovered? How is that? Well, when we were having kittens, it's really good to put on underneath uh, baby kittens because they are so small they can lose heat very quickly. So you put it down and then you put a little blanket on top, and that's another thing you can use it for. So those seed mats are, are useful for, uh, I guess, more things than we, we could imagine. Exactly. And the thing that's nice about them is they're, they're waterproof. Yes. So they're absolutely flat and they're waterproof. Don't try this with a regular heating pad that's that's intended for humans. Right, okay? right absolutely. Temps got to be, yeah, because it's a low, low steady temp, and that's uh, the thing. And right now I've got it under Grant's lilies plants. We've got over 100 lily seeds that have sprouted, and so we're watching those closely. And I think I mentioned to you that I've got a space out by the lake house where we're going to, hire somebody actually to put in a fence because well it's not our skill and we're going to try and protect those this year so the the deer or rabbits don't eat everything up like they did before but we've got um, some more seeds from the lily society we're going to be planting and uh, go for the 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 lily project and my son maybe one day he'll name one himself and have it registered with the royal order of the english lily society well that is exciting karen I was going to say, when you mentioned, you know, deer, what a problem that can oh. be. This, uh, you know, salvias are one of the plants that the deer don't eat. And this unplugged, so blue salvia. Yeah. That, that plant, I think, is great because um, the deer won't eat it. And it uh, blooms early. The pollinators come in. You might want to put that in your new garden, in your pollinator garden. What's it called? <laughs> It's called unplugged 
That's its name, unplugged soul blue salvia. So it acts as a re- repellent, basically, to, to, to uh, deer because they don't like the smell? Uh, well, I don't know what they don't like about it. Oh. I just know <laughs> that it, the salvias are deer-proof. So <clears throat> it's kind of like sage, the uh, Russian sage. That's also another one. I just planted that in the front garden, too, and the deer do not eat them. However, we have here in our yard armadillos. Oh, okay. They come in at night, and they dig in the grass, oh, and they dear. dig, and they, they, uh, they're they up on my patio, and then in the morning, the puppies go out there, and they go sniffing around to see if they can find them, just just very, very hopeful that they're going to have something to chase like the squirrels. The other thing that we have here is we have a lot of birds in the backyard, and while I'm not too familiar with most of them, there, there is a pair um, that I recognize, and that's the little wrens. I have a great big, uh, it's a begonia. Do you know the uh, begonias that you, you grow not from uh, rhizomes, but they're the rooted ones? They're a, you see them very often, maybe in, in uh, six packs or four packs. They're very small. They stay small in Minnesota. Oh, those real, those real little ones um, that don't get very tall. Yeah. Right. Normally in Minnesota. Yeah. Here, because um, we, we raise them in pots, and then when we do have a couple of frost dates, we bring them up on the patio and we cover them up. They get really big. They're about 20 inches tall. Oh, okay. And maybe about, oh, I'd say 12 to 14 inches across. Very, very dense. So I had one sitting on the uh, table on the patio, and these two little wrens decided to make a nest in there. <laughs> and so we can sit here in the dining room and look out, and they're carrying in little twigs, Aww. they're carrying in all these little things, and then the chairs that go with that table are like this heavy rock iron. So then they go on the back of the chair, and they sit there, they're, they're, they're just adorable. And I peeked in to see if I could see their nest. And sure enough, I mean, I, I just hope that the armadillos <laughs> don't aren't <laughs> attracted to birds, eggs, and, and baby birds. You know, oh. I don't know what I'll do that. Well, you know, if it isn't <laughs> one thing, it's another with wildlife. One thing I'm going to try this year, Barb, uh, that it was recommended from my friends at Edenvale, is a systemic uh, product that you uh, put on your plants that... Um, repels deer and it's used for deterring animals like deer, rabbits, voles, moles, gophers, groundhogs, feral hogs, dogs and cats from feeding on all parts of the plants and the active ingredients is capsaicin uh, which and oh. which is basically <laughs> hot, hot, hot pepper and, and related capsaicinoids. Uh, and so what you do is you put it in the ground uh, with your by your plant, and then the plants take it up. So the leaves, if you bit into them, they would be, well, icky, hot like pepper. Although it does yeah. say, does not recommend it to use with your garden vegetables because that would happen to you too. So they recommended the kind that I happen to get. There's different varieties. It's called Repellex Systemic Tablet. So it's something that, you know, it's it's basically hot pepper um, in a sure. way that they can take up. So I'm going to try that bar because I've just had so much, you know, loss with deer and in my hostas and so many other things. So I thought, well, in addition to a fence for the ones that can't be fenced, maybe this is something that'll work. And the folks at uh, the Edenvale place told me that they... 
have had people with good luck with it. So something new, and I'll, I'll have to report back on that. Yes, exactly. Now, is that something you water in, or is that something that you have to dig in? Well, let's see. I'm, I'm gonna. I haven't used it. Yet. I was just going through my garage, um, going through my inventory, you know, because I can't get outside yet. So supposedly, let's see. How does it say? Uh, what do you do? Uh, I think you. Oh, it's it's absorbed by the plants root. So yeah, you kind of just water it in, basically. So that that would be easier than. For existing things, because you don't want to disturb roots and things, so that would be great. You know, the other thing that's really important with something like that, because it's so easy to forget what we've done, put in a stake and mark those plants yeah. that you're feeding, and then we'll have a good way of knowing if it really does work. That's a good Fantastic. point. Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. want to. I want to do it to all of them, like in my hosta garden, because I don't want any you know, chance for them to think that, well, you know, baby, baby deer and baby bunny, sometimes they don't know any better. So they'll chew on them anyway. Cause that's sure. They try everything, but so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I will uh, report back. Well, well, thank you for that because I have the same problem. It's not deer. It's in the backyard. It is uh, rabbits. It is raccoons. It is slugs. Well, I don't know that um, yeah. it repels slugs. That's the one that I didn't see. But according to all the um, reports, the ratings, it's uh, folks say it works well for deer and rabbits and voles. So, yeah. Hey, Karen, you know one of the problems they have at the golf courses. What? And this is at Fort Benning. They have three big golf courses. The wild hogs. They come in and they destroy the turf. They're digging and looking for grubs and things in the oh. soil. So they have to live trap them and get rid of them. Now, those things are vicious, absolutely vicious. Yeah. I tell you what, we are out of time, Barb, so I've got to let you go. And you're probably guess, my guess is you're going out to garden today or something, correct? I am. Okay. I am. I'm <laughs> nice. going to do a little fertilizing, too. And stay away from people. Being in your garden, that's a good place to be out on your own with nobody around to <laughs> share any bugs with you. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Barb. Bye-bye. All right, Barb Lampson via phone uh, in Georgia. She's down there for a little bit helping her daughter garden and just enjoying the warmth and staying away from everybody.